then we go through the Bible. That's what we do here. Uh, we've been in the book of Matthew for many months. And so I always like to remind people that wherever we're at is where we're at. And wherever you're listening or showing up, it was for today. Amen. It was for today. Okay. So um, Matthew chapter 7, we're just going to be in verses 13 through 14 this morning. It says this. It says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way in which leads to life. There are few who find it. You know, uh, you've probably heard it said that every road leads to somewhere and that's true. Every single road that you are on is going somewhere. And many of us use a a GPS or a a maps program. Say amen if you've used a maps program, right? You use uh, Google or Apple or Waze or whatever. And I always like to use it because I want to know where there's traffic, right? I want to know where the police are. So if something happens, I can help them. Um, I just, and, and uh, when we go on road trips and stuff, we use GPS to be able to help us find the best way. Uh, many of you would probably agree that we've been led astray by our GPSs sometimes. We end up on some road and you're like, how did I end up here? This is not what the, um, the, what the electronic map said I was supposed to do. I remember years ago, my family went on a road trip. We like to do that every couple of years. We take off for a few weeks. We're going to do that again this year. And uh, as I was going on my first road trip, uh, one of my friends handed me a paper map book of the Western United States and handed it to me and said, you might need this. And I said, I've got a GPS. I don't need your paper book. And then we found ourselves in the middle of the Nevada desert and our GPS wasn't working and we had no signal. And I said, where's that map book? Where's that paper book with the directions that we can read to show us how we've lost our way? Might be a sermon in there somewhere. Do you think about the spiritual road that you're on? How often that you're thinking about like your spiritual road? Are you calibrating it? When Jesus says narrow is the path that leads to life and wide is the path that leads to destruction. How often are you sitting and thinking, man, I sure hope that I'm on the narrow path because Jesus is using this road analogy here to his disciples. And honestly, it could not be more clear. The narrow path is life. The wide path is destruction. And then he says, not that many people are going to find it. And there's a video this morning that I'd like to show you that to me encapsulates this idea of the narrow road versus the wide road that is the difficult way. And so Pastor Shelley, would you take the lights and then would you show them this video, please? Penso che nel punto più largo forse sia cosa sarà due metri, due metri e mezzo, due metri... 60, 70, non so. Dopo lo spianto di ieri, riprovo eh, questa volta dal, dall'altra parte sto salendo questo è un
That concludes today's sermon. (laughs) Narrow is the path that leads to life, and wide is the path that leads to destruction. And difficult is the way, and few are those that find it. Do you see the word picture? It's an insane video. I'm never going to do that. Ever. Someone said to me after first service, what if there's a gun to Crystal's head? I love you, baby. I love you. She wanted to go see Jesus anyway. She'll be fine. Pastor Jay says, we should go skydiving. I'm like, no, we should not. The narrow road, Jesus starts out and says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And the word picture that Jesus is saying here is very, very obvious. There's a small area in which you will find salvation. And if you take the wide area, you're going to find destruction. Small area, find salvation. Wide area, find destruction. And and which gate he is referring to here, because people want to talk about wide gate, whatever. What's relevant is that he's speaking directly about the following of himself as leading to eternal life and salvation. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples and saying, if you want to spend eternity with me, if you want to go to heaven, follow me. And if you don't follow me, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be on the wide path. Following me is the narrow path. Following anybody else is a wide path. It's a narrow road, he says. And this video shows this. And, and, and the video isn't biblical, right? I mean, Jesus didn't say, if you find yourself in a wingsuit, right? He didn't say that. I mean, it's not biblical to get in that thing. But the word picture plays, which is this guy is going through this very, and he even did it. He went, right? Very, very narrow path. And so I like that video and I showed it uh, because I think it really shows that picture of something that's a very, very narrow path. I almost have this other one that I showed where a guy jumped out of an airplane without a parachute and landed in a net. You can look that one up on YouTube as well. Uh, Again, very narrow, narrow path. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, if you asked any random person that you met at work or on the street and you asked him, he said, hey man, do you want to go to heaven? And not clarifying, just like, hey dude, if you had a choice, would you want to go to heaven? Most people would say like, yes, like, I don't know exactly what that looks like or what that is, but if I had a choice to go to heaven, I want to go to heaven. I mean, we use this language in our culture, right? Like, oh, this is heavenly and this is like heaven. And it's like being in heaven. Of course, every, everybody wants to go to heaven, but what Jesus says and what people don't really grasp is that many people will want to go to heaven, but not will be able to enter heaven. Everybody wants to go, but Jesus says, narrow is the path to heaven. Narrow is the path to eternal life. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And so why, why are many people going to be on the wide path to destruction? Why are many people not going to make heaven? Because they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They don't believe this. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father except through me. And some people might hear that and say, well, I, I don't understand. If you, if you say that, you're, you're condemning all these other people to hell. And I, I, I'm not, we're not going into that today. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me make it abundantly clear. Christianity is an exclusive proposition. It, it's very exclusive. 
And again, people would say, well, well, what about the Muslims or what about these people? There's about 8 billion people on the planet, maybe 7.5, whatever. And there's only by some estimations, a billion people that believe in Christianity. If you, if you agree with, or, or if you uh, include the Catholics as well. And so that says that one out of eight people are the ones that are going to go to heaven based on their belief. And there's 7 billion people that aren't. People say, what about those 7 billion people? I'd say, well, the 7 billion people need to read the Bible, know what the Bible says, because the Bible says that being a Christian is an exclusive proposition. It's an all or nothing endeavor. And people would say, man, these Christians, they're so narrow minded in what they believe. You try to get them to believe something that's, man, you're so narrow minded. And I say, thank you. That's a compliment to me. If you say I'm narrow-minded, I'm like, well, good. You're finally getting what I believe because I am very narrow-minded in my belief. Everything that I believe about how the world should work comes right in through this book. I'm very narrow-minded. I only have one wife. Very narrow-minded. I only breathe air. Very narrow-minded. Jesus is the only way. All other ways are wrong. Christianity is not a way, it is the way. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. First Timothy 2, 5 says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And so what is the, what does the word mediator mean? That means if you've got someone here and someone here and they can't talk to each other. You have to have someone in the middle that's going to make these two people be able to talk. It's like if you have to go to court and you have a mediator between you and court. We as men cannot talk to God and so we needed a mediator, a means by which we can talk to God. And the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man and that's Jesus Christ. The belief in Jesus as the payment for our sin is the only thing that saves, nothing else, only Jesus. These are Jesus' words. I didn't wake up this morning and say, well, you know, I'm just going to say that Jesus is the only way. Jesus said it. These are his words. Islam won't get you to heaven. Buddhism, Sikhism, Taoism, Wiccan. Consequently, statism or secular humanism won't get you to heaven either. Your good works will not get you to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. It just doesn't work. The only way you can get to heaven is believing that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins against God. And that by believing in that, you will receive eternal life. John 3:36 Jesus says he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him that's what it says so if you don't believe in Jesus God's wrath is on you his anger his furious anger is on you and saying you know what I don't like the fact that you're rejecting my son it's what God says and for some people that might be surprising to hear that that's what the Bible says, but everything, everything you've ever heard about Jesus, if it doesn't come from the Bible is something that somebody made up. Even the fact that you know about Jesus comes from the Bible. It's the source document by which we make all other uh, claims about who Jesus is. Now, let me show you something from Ezekiel chapter 18 and Ezekiel chapter 18. And I always like to poke back into the Old Testament, because I want you to see that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God does not change. People don't change either. The same, we're just lunkheads with smartphones now, but we haven't come along that fast. I mean, who they were thousands of years ago is the same way they are now. So in Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel's prophesying to Israel, and he says this, He says, again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. 
Because he considers and turns away from all transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live, surely live, he shall not die. And so Ezekiel is saying, those people that turn away from their sins and turn towards God, those are the ones that are going to live. Nobody else. Yet the house of Israel, people say, the way of the Lord is not fair. So people say, well, well that's not fair. How come Jesus is the only way to heaven? How come we have to turn away from our sins? How come we can't live how we want? That's what people have been saying for thousands of years. The way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God, says the Lord God, repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. God does not want to destroy anybody. He wants everybody to make heaven. He wants them all. But you have to turn from your sins. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to put full faith and assurance in that. And people say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Why? It's very fair that he makes the opportunity for anybody who's willing to make that decision. The Bible gives some very clear ways to stay on this narrow road. And it's very simple. Believe in Jesus and live differently. That's it. Just say, man, I want to go to heaven. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I want to live differently. I want to live how the Bible prescribes. I don't want to live how the world describes. I want to live according to God's word because I want to, I want to live for eternity with Jesus. The problem with people being on the narrow road instead of the wide road, they, they, they get on the wide road because they trust in themselves. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. This is the real pandemic is that people believe that they're going to get themselves to heaven based on their own beliefs. And then we see it all the time. People die and they say, well, uh, he's in a much better place. Did he believe in Jesus? People say, oh man, I'm so glad that, that he went to heaven. But was he a Christian? And then people say, well, you know, he was a good man. And it always boils down to he never killed anybody and he, and he didn't cheat on his spouse. Like people are like, well, he didn't do those two things. So he had to make heaven. Dude, you can live a, a, a life without any of those other things. And then all of a sudden you get to the end, but you hadn't put your faith in Jesus. And so you don't make it. You're trusting in yourselves. And here's a real big problem with people of, of why they don't stay on the narrow road is they refuse to separate from the world. They refuse to separate from the world. Second Corinthians six seventeen says, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. See, to be narrow is to separate yourself from wickedness, the ways of the world and the desires of the flesh. It says, I, I look at the way that the world is going. I see the way that the world is living and I don't want to live that way. I don't want to believe what the world believes. I don't want to act how the world acts. I don't want to have my life centered around the things of this world, I'm going to stay on the narrow road and not go on the wide road. And when a pastor talks about separating themselves, what happens is that people erroneously uh, assume that when a pastor says, well, stay away from that, you know, and think like, well, it's some sort of manipulative tactic when the reality is the Bible abundantly says repeatedly to stay away from certain things. This is God's plan to say, you know what, if you want to do well, stay away. Now I'm going to rattle off a bunch of scriptures to you. Why? Because I never want you to think that I'm sharing my own thoughts. 
I want you to know what the Bible says. I don't want you to know what I think. I want you to know what the Bible says so that you know this is coming from God and not from me. So let me rattle a few of these off. Um, did, are, are these scriptures on this? Do you guys put them up? No. Okay, good. <clears throat> so real quick, they're in my notes. They'll be online. You can find them. Romans sixteen seventeen. We're talking about separating, staying away, distancing ourselves from things. Romans sixteen seventeen. Watch out for those who cause divisions. Titus three ten. Have nothing to do with him. Second Thessalonians three six. Keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition. Second John one ten. Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company ruins good morals. 2 Timothy 3.5, avoid such people. 2 Corinthians 7.1, cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Proverbs 13.20, the companion of fools will suffer harm. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in this world. 1 Peter 1.16, you shall be holy for I am holy. 2 Thessalonians 3.14, have nothing to do with him. 1 Corinthians 5.11, do not associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world. Being on the narrow road is a separation from the wide road. You, you, you can't just merely, and, and, this is, and, and this is what happens when I preach, and I always feel this sense that I have, to, I have to come against these common things that just float around the world through social media and books that just make Christianity something that it's not. Because the, the pervasive feeling is like, oh, we're just supposed to love people, man. Just love them. And you can from a distance. Loving somebody doesn't mean taking part in their wickedness. It doesn't. It's a person that looks and says like, hey man, I don't want to do that. Hey, I'm not going to hang out with that person. Hey, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's some young people that are here this morning and young people, I will tell you that this is something that you have to get in your brain now. Young people, you guys back there, look at me. Pastor's talking to you. I see your hand. It is of vital importance And this might apply to some of you adults as well. But as a young person, you have got to make a decision whether or not you are going to separate yourself from people that are not walking with God or not. I made that decision when I was, uh, I got saved when I was 15 and I hid my Christianity for about a year until I was 16. And I said, you know what, man, I'm no longer going to be seen as somebody who's not a Christian and it's costly. And I don't say that it's sensible. I'm, I'm saying like, honestly, it's hard. It's hard to stand up and say, you know what, man, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian. I don't believe in that. There's literally times when I was in high school and I would be in a car and I would say, pull over, I'm getting out. And no matter where I was, I would just get out and I would walk home because I'm like, where you guys are going, I am not going. What you guys are doing, I am not doing. But people want, people don't want the narrow road. They don't want to separate themselves from the world. They don't want to live by the code of love and mercy and forgiveness and service and self-sacrifice. They don't want to live by that code. People want all the lusts of the world. They want to be liked by the world and loved by the world. They want people to, oh man, you're so awesome. You believe like everybody else believes. Friend, whatever the world is spewing out right now is not going to last and it's just going to be something different in another 10 to 20 years. So if you don't like what's going on right now, don't worry. It won't be here in 10 years. It'll be something else that you don't like. 
Just like I didn't like what they were doing 10 years ago and I don't like what they were doing 20 years ago. Just hold your breath and we get through and then it'll be just something else. Like, I can't believe they're saying this. Jesus said this, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's serious business, isn't it? For someone to say, well, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I've got to give up everything. Jesus wants to own all of you every day, 24-7, 365. He wants to own your thoughts, your actions, your finances. He wants to own your stuff. He wants to own all of it, all of your life. Proverbs 9, 6 says, forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So let, let, let's, let's go back to the video because I, I want to get as much mileage out of this thing that I can. So in the video, we've got the small hole and, and the small hole, if you didn't see the guy said it, he said it was about six meters wide and that's about this wide. My, my wingspan is about six and a half feet. So that's how wide that dude was going through it. I don't know, 700 million miles an hour. He was <laughs> super, whew, Right. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but that's not a very wide area to be going a wingsuit through, is it? <laughs> Seems kind of scary. And if you look at that, you see all of this open sky around. Dude, why don't you go that way? It just seems like a whole lot easier to take the wide road than to... Whew. But nobody watches a GoPro video of someone just like, ah, you got to like... Got to go through that center part. I, I really hope after hearing this sermon and that video, you'll never forget that word picture. Because the, the wide road picture, it's very, it, it seems like it's so much safer, like it's so much wider. And in the video it is, but in life it's not. The Bible wasn't talking about a wingsuit, but still. It just appears that taking a wide road would have less danger than a narrow road. But no, Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many, he says, there's many who go in by it. And it's easy to find the wide road. It's easy to find the road that everybody's on. You can just watch on television. They'll explain to you where the wide road is. People will live a certain way and believe certain things and they'll bring them up on stage and they'll give them a golden statue and say, we approve of how you live your life and we want everybody else to be like you. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had to walk through a forest and there was a narrow path and I had a bunch of thickets like in my eye or whatever, I would be like, ugh. If you ever tried to walk through thick brush, you know what I'm talking about. If there's a narrow path through th thick brush. Most people, if, if they're like, well, there's this wide road that we can go through. It's gravel, it's flat. Or we can take the narrow path. You'd be like, Psh, wide road. None of us want the narrow path. When you came into church today, you didn't weave back and forth through the roads to get to your seat. You took the wide path. <laughs> it's human nature. People would rather be on a freeway when they would rather be on side streets because it gets faster and it appears safer. And then you get on 167 at five o'clock and like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Right? Yeah. Oh, it's never happened to you guys. <laughs> See, the wide road ends in destruction. According to Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. See, that's where the wide road is, is the wide road thinks about the things of this world. The wide road gets worried about this world, and what is the world doing, and what am I going to do, and how is life going to be? Blech. The world's going to world, man. Just let the world be the world. Stay on the narrow path. Stay on the Jesus path. 
Romans 3.16 says destruction and misery are in their ways. The wide road says in Revelation 2.18, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their path in the, excuse me, their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Again, the wide road is very easy to find. It's just do what the world's doing and then you'll go along with what the world does. Now, my son... Uh, and he was here first service. Uh, my son is a real estate agent. And <clears throat> when uh, my, my wife and I raised our kids to be Christians. And so I remember when my son was really, was really young, he had lied to my wife. And so what my wife did is she did like any good Christian mother should do. And she pulled out her Bible and she read Revelation chapter one, verse eight to my son. He must've been like four or five years old. And she said, Gabriel, liars go to hell. And she read it to him. And she said to little Gabe, she said, Gabe, do you want to go to hell? Do you want to burn in fire? No. And she said, okay, so don't lie. Cause when you lie, you go to hell. It's like, okay. And God bless Gabe, man. My, everybody's got their issues. My son is not a liar. He is not a liar. His whole entire, and people say, oh, kids lie all the time. And I tell you, man, not Gabe. When he was a kid and you'd catch him in something that he did wrong. And I'd be like, Gabe, shame the devil. Tell the truth. Did you do this? Yes or no? And little Gabe would just close his eyes and he'd go. <laughs> he couldn't look at you. He couldn't bring himself to say it, but he would never, he would close his little eyes. He'd be like. <laughs> and so recently Gabe had, Gabe had one of his listings for a, a house for real estate. And so as part of the deal, he's trying to get, uh, he's selling the house and so he's trying to get the buyer and the buyer wanted a home warranty. And so, uh, Gabe knows the house. And so when the home warranty company came to him and said, what things do you know about this house that shouldn't be covered by warranty? Well, of course he knows things, right? And so Gabe told him, he said, well, the, I think the shower leaks and there's a toilet that's wobbly. And, and people would say, and he came out of his office or his room and he came out and he says, dad, the home warranty company asked me if I knew if there's anything wrong with the house. And he said, I told him about the shower and the toilet. Is that the right thing to do? I was like, yeah, dude, you did the right thing to do. He's like, I thought so too. I'm not going to hell for lying about a toilet, man. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm doing that at all. You can live on the wide road. You can live on the narrow road. I mean, it's a funny story, but I mean, it's literally, I mean, this just happened this week with my son. I, I asked him, I said, some kind of user is a certain example. He's like, is it a good one? I'm like, Yeah. But those are the type of decisions that you make every day as a Christian. Like, am I going to live on the wide road? Because most people would be like, well, it's going to affect the sale and it's going to affect the warranty. And what am I going to do? And isn't honesty like just better? Isn't it just better? Just like, yeah, man, wobbly toilet. Yeah, man. Like shower leaks. All right, great. We'll cover everything else. Just not that. It's just honesty. It's the right way to live. The wide road thinks about the things of this world and not on heavenly things. It, the wide road doesn't forgive people. The wide road doesn't love people in the Bible way. The wide road doesn't serve people. The, the wide road is the road that everybody else takes. And Jesus says, take the narrow road. See, <clears throat> you probably heard the term, the Romans road, and it's a term that people use for salvation. And this wide road would be the road that leads to destruction. It's not a good road. It's filled with sin and destruction and damnation. The Bible says in Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says in Ezekiel 1820, the soul who sins shall die. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, if you're here this morning, uh, either watching online or as a visitor, uh, or if you've been going to this church for longer than a month, I talk about sin a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a theme that I talk about often in this church. And people would say, man, why does that guy talk about sin so much? And I'd say, first, because God talks about sin a lot. And secondly, because I love you and I want you to stay on the narrow path. And I want you to not take the wide path. Now, if you're here at this church and you're living a sinless life, oftentimes you'll hear about sin and you're like, I've already arrived. Like, why does this guy continue to talk about sin when I am, have nothing to work on? Like everything in my life is it's copacetic. It's good, Right. Here's what I want to encourage you with. You may have other people that are around you that are not where you're at spiritually walking in perfection that need the conviction of the word to get them to where they need to be spiritually. Now, just recently in the, in the last month or so, and and I always ask people most of the time, if I can share them as a sermon example, this time I did, but we're preaching as we do. And I don't recall the message, but the, the point of the, the word and the sermon is to guide you, but it's also to convict you. That's why we say to, to change, challenge, and to convict, because if there's anything inside of us that, that, that shouldn't be there, man, we want that removed. We want to honor God with our lives. And so the word was going forth and this gentleman was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he called me and said, pastor, we've got to get together. I've got to see you tomorrow, anytime, any place. let's get together. And so we got together and he began to weep and repent of his unfaithfulness to his wife. And he said, I have, I'm that person that is caught in a sin. I'm caught and I can't get out and, and I don't want to go to hell for this pastor. I, I, I'm done with this thing. And by the grace of God, his wife, his wife was gracious enough to receive him back and to forgive him and love him. And they're going to stay married. And God's doing a great miraculous thing in their marriage, but it never would have happened without the conviction of the Holy spirit through the preaching of the word. Will you sit through a sermon that convicts for someone to be convicted, to move past the path of destruction back onto the narrow path of righteousness? Will you just sit through it and say, you know what, I don't know who this is for, but praise God, I pray it's for someone that's going to save their life, that's going to save their marriage, that's not going to fall into addiction, that's going to get out of that cycle of sin. Will you respond to this prick of sin this morning? Will you stay away from the wide road and encourage others to do the same? Here's a big problem with sin. In in Romans 6, 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to life. And, And if you've ever been stuck in a sin like I have, you feel enslaved, man. And that sin tells you what to do. And the sin coerces you. And the sin makes you uh, fearful and shameful and you can't sleep and you got a pit in your stomach and you begin to obey that thing. And then you walk away from it and you ask for forgiveness and you go back to righteousness. You just obey Jesus. And all of a sudden everything's great. Oh, so much easier to just not live in sin, man. Isaiah 3.11 says, woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him. And that's what sin does. Maybe none of you have had this type of sin in your life where your stomach actually hurts. And you're just like, oh, I hate this. I hate what I'm doing. I hate what I'm, God, it makes me feel ill. And you know what I say? Good. 
Because there's a way to not feel ill. It's the blood of Jesus. There's a way to feel free. There's a way to not have to live under the shame and guilt where Jesus sets people free. Ecclesiastes 8.13 says, But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not have fear before God. And and that's what conviction of the Holy Spirit does, is it makes you actually have a fear before God. Remember, the the scripture said before, he said, whoever does not believe in the Son, the wrath of God rests on him. But if you believe in the Son, you don't have any fear of the wrath of God. You don't have to fear God. I have a fear of God, but I'm not afraid of him. He's love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. He's all those things. But if you're steeped in sin, you live in fear of God because you know what comes with that, which is his wrath. Oh, man. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, it is so refreshing to come from the wide road to the narrow road. Man, it's so safe there and it's, woo, love it, man. It's like a Slurpee on a hot summer day. It's like a cheeseburger after a two-day fast, amen? Some of y'all never fasted for two days, so you don't know what that's like, man. It's unlimited fries. It's like, praise God. The narrow road has sweet sleep. The narrow road, you fall asleep easy. You don't have any guilt, no shame, no angst. There's truth in life. The Bible says streams of living water flow on the narrow road. The wide road has potholes and thickets. Now here's where it gets challenging. It says, but because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. Jesus says, there's not as many people saved as people who aren't. And so if you are saved, if you are a Christian, you, you should praise God for that. You should praise God that, that he found you and you found him. And now you're on the narrow path praise God for that. Amen? Amen. Because sin is complicated and grace is easy, but for whatever reason, people still choose the difficult path. And, and I, I really don't get it. I don't know why the, the God life's the best life, man. I love living for Jesus. I love Christian people and I, and I love hanging out. I love worshiping. I love doing church stuff. I love fellowshipping with the saints. I just, I like it, man. It's a, it's a great life. The God life's the best life. I I found these statistics from Gallup. And if you don't know who Gallup, he's a guy that, um, uh, uh, asks people a lot of questions, gives us statistics. And so, uh, he found these statistics about moral issues that people believe and, uh, the time span is different for all of them because he just said in the time span of which they've been asking these questions. Gallup's been doing stuff for decades of asking people's uh, opinions on things. Uh, some things are in vogue. And so he started asking them later before or whatever. Does that make sense? So some of these things have a 10-year span. Some of them have a 50-year span, but you'll get it in a minute. So I'll give you an example. So one of the statistics that isn't of him, but I'll use it as an example. Like a statistic would be, how many people approve of somebody getting punched in the face? So people used to think that, well, 40% of people believe that people should be punched in the face, right? I would be of that 40. And, um, and then the next statistic is, but now people believe 63% of people should be punched in the face. So the difference is 23% people more believe that people should be punched in the face than how it used to be when they believed that 40% of people should be punched in the face. Does that make sense? Okay, so roll with me as I share with you these statistics, okay? Timeline is not as relevant as it is the change, okay? Uh, Approval of homosexual lifestyle. Uh, It used to be 40%, now 63%. That's a 23% difference, right? So it used to be 40% of Americans, now 63% of 
of, of Americans. Having a baby outside of marriage used to be uh, uh, 62, or excuse me, I can't do the math, 45. Now it's 62. So 17% people more believe that having a baby outside of marriage is okay. Uh, fornication, and that's having sex outside of marriage. 69% of Americans believe that it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. 16% increase. Polygamy, okay? Polygamy, 17%. 17% of Americans think it's okay for someone to have more than one spouse. I don't know why anybody would believe this. One is more than enough. Divorce, 73% of Americans say that divorce is okay. 73%. That's a 14% increase. Uh, These are other ones that are are really just not good. Doctor-assisted suicide. 57% of Americans believe it's okay for a doctor to help you kill yourself. And that's an 8% increase. It's an 8% increase. Um, Cloning humans. (laughs) So, I mean, only 14% of people think that it's okay to clone humans, but that's a 7% increase. They've doubled in their belief of thinking that we should be cloning humans. Pornography, 36% of Americans believe in pornography. That's up 6%. Uh, uh, and then also suicide. People that think that suicide is a viable option. 18% of Americans believe that suicide is a viable option. And that is a 5% increase. only 29% of people say that it's important for a couple to marry if they have a child. Now, that's 29% of Americans believe that a couple should get married if they have a child. In in 2013, that was was 38%. So it's changed, 10% change in less than 10 years. Why do I share with you all these statistics? Is Because all these statistics are things that Christians should not agree with, Right? Uh, having a baby outside of marriage, homosexuality, fornication, divorce, polygamy, suicide, pornography, cloning humans, like all these things are that the Bible would be completely against. But if you look at the ethos of the world and what they're doing, they're all moving in this direction. And so, so you have to make a choice. Am I going to be on the wide path or am I going to be on the narrow path? Am I going to believe what the world believes? Or am I gonna, because what, when you make this decision and, and, and you say, like, I'm going to be a Christian, Jesus said, for many are called, but few are chosen. Friends, being a Bible-believing Christian is exceptional. It's not the norm. So if you put your hand, if you put your foot down and say, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to believe what the Bible says, you are not going to be welcomed into the world. And so you have to make a decision. You have to say like, well, I'm going to stay on the narrow path and I'm going to believe what God says and believe what the Bible says, or I'm going to be on the wide path. But you have to make a decision because you are surrounded in a world that does not agree with the Bible, that does not agree with what God's word says. And to make that decision is going to make you not, not just a target. It's just going to make you an outcast. And you have to make that decision. You have to be okay with it. Just be like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm just going to be an outcast. Now, by, by my rough napkin math, there's about 90,000 people in Auburn. There's about 35 churches. And if you're generous and say about 150 to 200 people attend each one of those churches in Auburn, only 6% of people in Auburn attend church. And I know many of you don't live in Auburn, but it's probably the same in many other cities as well. So about 6% of people in Auburn attend church. Now, this guy Gallup, he did a poll and he found out that 24% of people in America believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. So one in four believe the Bible is the word of God, but less than one in 10 attend church. Where's the disconnect? 
Where's the disconnect? Because that, that, that's some pretty big numbers difference. I mean, if we had 24% of the people in Auburn, all the churches in Auburn would grow five times over than where they're at right now. Four times, I guess. Six times four is 24. But you get my point. There's a separation in those numbers that shouldn't be. But maybe, maybe it's difficult for some people to find it. Maybe some people don't want to uh, go on that narrow path. They believe the Bible is literal, but they don't want to do what it says. Jesus made it hard. He said in Matthew 13, 13, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand from the beginning of time. Jesus said, you know what? Some people just aren't going to get it. And so if you get it, praise God, praise God that you can read the parables and read it. Praise God that he's chosen you. Praise God that you're in his grace. Amen. People that are going to get saved and make it to heaven are going to have to put in a little bit of effort to hear the word. This easy believism, sloppy agape, everybody goes to heaven is not biblical. It's not. You've got to put in a a measure of effort not to get saved, but to at least be able to. I mean, you did it today. You showed up. Praise God. I'm proud of you. Good job. But you've got to have eyes and ears to be able to see. You've got to be able to have the ability to hear what God is doing. And for whatever reason, people choose to ignore it or haven't heard it. And honestly, I think it's because people choose to ignore it. Why? Because immediate gratification seems more satisfying than waiting. Immediate gratification seems more satisfying than waiting. When I come to you and I say, choose the narrow path, and you're like, narrow path? Well, heck, what is that going to cost me? Then I can't go get drunk, and I can't look at pornography, and I can't you know, cheat on my spouse, and I can't cheat on my taxes, and I can't do all this. And then you want me to give all that up to be able to have some hope of eternity that I may not see for 70 or 80 years? Man, I want mine now. I want to, I want, I want to experience life now. That's, that's a whole lot more exciting than giving all that up and thinking that I'm going to get eternal life. But I'll tell you, friend, it's worth it. It's worth it. It seems that it should be easy to just have free salvation, to live in Christ and have a great life and just live for eternity. But the narrow road seems cumbersome and the wide road seems fun. So what must we do? We must stay diligent. We must stay on the narrow road. We must stay away from the wide road. The the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So what do I propose? I say, you want to stay in the church. Stay in, amen? Amen. Some of you are like, man, I want to get out right now. You ain't got nowhere to be. (laughs) Stay in the church. Stay in his word. Stay in fellowship. Don't let anything fester. If the word of God exposes a weed in your heart, man, rip that thing out in Jesus' name. And say, man, I'm not going one more day. I'm repenting even before the altar call because I want to be done with it, Lord. Forgive me. Don't let it fester, man. Eternity is at sake. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Stay on the narrow road. 2 Peter 3, 17, you therefore, beloved, since you knew this before, know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked. And what is the error of the wicked? The wide road. Now, let me end with this. If you are saved, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're saved. Amen. Amen. And then what happens is that you uh, preach some sort of banger like this, where it's like wide road, narrow road. If you really love Jesus, you're like me. I hear a message like this. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I hope I make it. I hope I'm saved. Lord reveal if there be any wickedness inside of me, right? Cause you want to make heaven cause you love Jesus. If you want to make heaven, you love Jesus and you're saved. You're saved. This isn't a message about you being on the wide road. It's a message about you making sure you stay on the narrow road.
Now, if you're not saved, you're on the wide road. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get on the narrow road. But it's just a, a, a good exercise to look and say, man, where am I at? But if you're saved, this is what the Bible says. There's therefore, excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. First John 3, 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Friend, have confidence. Do not walk in fear. Walk in faith. Don't question your faith. This should be an encouragement to to you today that you have found it, that you are in the faith, that you are on the narrow road and that you know the truth. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. We just want to go on with what the Bible says. And the Bible says, he who endures to the end will be saved. That's what it says. The Bible says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance and hope until the end. Friends, stay the course. Stay on the narrow road. Don't go on the wide road. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. I'm going to end with a story this morning. We had a very interesting uh, man up yesterday. And man up is our men's ministry. We get together and we have breakfast. And so uh, yesterday, um, we have we uh, uh, get together and then we sp- uh, spread out and get into groups and talk. And so yesterday, my group was in the back here and there's another group up here in the front of the church. And, and we're back there doing, you know, our little study or whatever. And we hear a guy go, ah! And I was like, man, that's good. Their group's happening this morning. <laughs> it's like, man, that's real good. And I, we looked at the guys in our group and we're like, man, what's going on? And then a few moments later, ah! And then uh, Pastor Jay's son, Thad, I, I'm sitting back here and he goes back and he gets the AED, which is what used to shock people. And I was like, Thad, what's going on? He was like, Brother Joe, I think he's having a heart attack. And so I come by and I said, put him on his back. <laughs> Marcus lifted him up, put him on his back. <laughs> and Joe was so out of, he said, the Lord moved me. He's like, no, Joe, it was, Mar- it was Marcus. And so then, uh, <laughs> and so then, uh, I run out of here and I run over to the AMC and I come through and I'm like, where's Pastor Jay? Where's Pastor Jay? And I guess the guys there saw the look on my face and figured that it was important, right? So Jay's over in the office and I'm, I'm on 911. And then Pastor Jay stands up and he's just kind of like, just kind of walks over like, you know, he was fast walking, but I was like, let's go. He's like, no, it's fine. I know it. Cause he's like a firefighter. You know what I mean? He knows all my like, pastor Jay here. Everything going to be fantastic. But pastor Jay is here. Consequently, I, I, I had a little bit of, uh, of an issue with Alex. Cause Alex was like, what? Well, I'm a firefighter. <laughs> Alex, Alex new, newly graduated. He's like, what? Well, I was here. I'm like, all right, well, I'm working up with, you know, 20 years of memory here, bro. I, next time it's you, Alex. Okay, next time we're calling on Alex. Okay, so I apologize. So then Pastor Jay comes in and, and, and um, the, the, the medics and the fire department start to show up. Brother Joe's on the floor. Take me, Jesus! If this is it, I'm ready. I love you, Lord! It was testimony to all of us, man. Let that be my end. Let that be. When the Lord comes and he calls. Now come to find out he had a new defibrillator installed a couple of weeks ago and it started getting him. And I guess it's like a cattle prod when it happens. That's why we got the, ah! But the testimony was beautiful. In that moment, he was calling out to Jesus. And those men that were in here will attest as well. I mean, he was, he was ministering to the medics as they're putting him out. He's, ah, you know about Jesus. Ah, you know what I mean? 
narrow road, not the wide road. Amen. 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 Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And it's really quite easy. Either you are a Christian or you are not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, we'd like to always end our services with an opportunity to invite you to do so. And it's really quite easy. You just say, you know what, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to walk away from the world and I'm going to live for you. I don't want to live like the world anymore. If you're on the wide path this morning and you want to come to the narrow path, I'm not talking about people that are saved. I'm talking about people you've never made a decision for Jesus. You've never said, man, I want to live for Jesus. If you want to make a decision for Jesus this morning, we're going to ask you uh, just to raise your hand and say, man, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I I don't want to live for myself anymore. If you want to make that decision for the first time, you can raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? Secondly, maybe you're saved. Maybe you're like, man, pastor, I've known the truth for a long time. I've just been so far from it. I'm not talking about you had a bad week or a bad month. I'm talking about like you have gone. You're like, dude, I am on the wide path. I've widened the road. I made it even wider. I want to come back to the narrow path. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. If you need to make that decision, you raise your hand and we'd like to pray for you as well. Is there anybody that needs to make that declaration today? I see that hand. Anybody else? Father, I pray for every single one of us. People that are watching online, people that are listening to this recorded message, and everybody that is in this room. Father, let us stay on the narrow path. Lord, we want to spend eternity with you. We do not want to be on the wide path. We want to be on the narrow road that leads to life. Father, we pray that more people would find it, God. We pray that you would allow us to be an instrument to bring more people to your grace and mercy. Father, we thank you for this work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.